which came first? I don't know how you get, did on that quiz, but uh, I think most of you probably did pretty well. As you can probably tell from the themes and everything we've been hearing this morning, uh, creation is what we're talking about today. And it's a little bit different twist on how to look at creation or, or think about it. And so um, we're going to also think about creation in relation to our human comprehension of our sovereign God and creator. And so I invite you to join me in the book of Job this morning. We're going to be turning to the 38th chapter of Job and we'll be reading there. Looking at some questions that Job and the Lord had for each other. While you're turning there or while you're finding that... Um, I ran across a couple funny quotes or uh, questions that young Sunday school children had uh, when they wrote letters to God with some of their questions. And so here's a, a several examples of that. Um, one boy wrote, Dear God, my school, my school teacher said that Thomas Edison made light. But in Sunday school, they said you did it first. Did Edison steal your idea? <laughs> Another girl wrote, Dear God, in church they told us about all the things that you do. Who does those things when you go on vacation? <laughs> and then one more, this young boy wrote, Dear God, I'd like to live for 900 years like that guy in the Bible did. Can you see what you can do for me, please? <laughs> it's always cute to get in the minds of children and see where they go with things like that. Okay, the book of Job. It's not the first book you think of uh, turning to when, we're, you know, when you're talking about or thinking about creation. But this chapter of 38 really speaks a lot about creation. And the, the context here is that Job was asking God all of these questions about different things like suffering and morality and, and basically why he lost everything that was important to him in his life. And, you know, in his defense, these were honest questions to ask. If you went, if you read the first couple of chapters and you see all of what Job went through there, many of us would probably be asking uh, God the same, the same questions that he was. But instead of answering Job's questions directly, the Lord asks him some questions that no human could possibly answer or comprehend. And he chose a storm as a way to deliver those questions. And so let's start reading uh, in verse 1 of chapter 38, and we'll read the first 18 verses. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm, and he said, Who is... Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you will answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On, on what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness. 
when I fix limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, this far you may come and no farther, here is where your proud waves halt. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place? That it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? The earth takes shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light and their upraised arm is broken. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all of this. <clears throat> well, in my wife Rhonda's third grade class these past couple of weeks, they have been watching a tadpole named Jet uh, turn into a frog. And uh, so Jed is with us here this morning and uh, invite adults and kids, if you want to come up and see him after the service, you are more than welcome to do that. But does anybody know what happens uh, to the tail when that transformation occurs from a tadpole to, to a frog? Anybody know? There's a few hands over here. Did you have that, learn this in third grade? <laughs> what happens? Okay, yeah. And he, you know, he eats his tail. That's what actually happens. The tail shrinks and it's absorbed and it's used as food by the tadpole. And that whole transformation is, uh, of course, something that's amazing to watch. And when she, uh, Ron said, when she had her recent parent-teacher conferences, uh, many of the parents mentioned how impactful that learning process was of having this happened right in front of them. Um, and so, uh, you know, as we think about the various questions about creation uh, that God asks of Job in this, this passage, I was thinking perhaps one of them could have been, Job, can you tell me how a tadpole turns into a frog? <laughs> um, that's kind of how he was uh, asking those questions. And uh, I, I happened to realize something this week that I hadn't realized before, but there's a lot of other chapters in the Bible where things like this occur. In Proverbs 30, if you read Proverbs 30, um, it is similar to Job 38. And at one point it says, these things are too amazing for me to understand. That's what the psalmist says. Well, this week I ran across a couple other uh, pictures that were just amazing and incredible. The first one is the picture of the planet Jupiter in our solar system with the planet Earth right next to it. Uh, Emily with Children's Time had a book with a lot of those kind of pictures in it of the solar system. And of course, they aren't really that close to each other in the solar system. But it's amazing when you put them right next to each other, how large Jupiter is. You know, we know how large the Earth is to begin with. And so to, to see it next to Jupiter like that is amazing. And really, you know, that whole concept of the universe and the planets and the solar systems, it's just, 
you know, it's something that's just really too amazing for our human minds to comprehend. God, the one who created it, is the only one who can comprehend it or understand it. And then there was this picture. God signed his own name on the shell of a turtle that he created. I thought that was so cool when I saw that. You know, speaking of the animals, we've heard some scripture read this morning about the creation of the animals and so on. And, and really, when you think of all of them in the world, it is totally beyond our comprehension like the universe. There are almost 8 million species uh, of animals on the earth. And there are over 2 million different species in the ocean. In fact, our human minds can't even count them all. Um, let alone understand all there is to know about them. National Geographic uh, actually says that scientists believe that there are 8 million species, but we have only identified 2 million of them. Think about that. We haven't even identified half of the species. And so anytime, you know, we start to think about some of those type of statistics, it just reminds us again that God is God and we are the people that God has created along with all of these other wonderful and incredible things. And so what God is doing here in the midst of this storm is, is asking Job questions that are really humanly impossible to answer. He says, where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand that. And then he says, what about the oceans and, you know, where the water starts and where it, where it stops? And how about those clouds you see up in the, in the sky? Can you explain how all that came to be? And then at the end uh, of that chapter, verse 8, or the end of what we read in verse 18, the Lord says, have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all of this. You know, if this were one person talking to another um, person, we might feel like these verses are somewhat condescending. Um, but God is trying to impress on Job. What, what he's trying to impress on Job is that God knows best. And the ways of God are both eternal and sovereign. And so we must humbly remember our position before the Lord of the universe. And yet, of course, we are honored to be the benefactors of his wonderful and incomprehensible creation. And even beyond that, we know through his son, Jesus, that God desires to have a relationship with us. And not just be an incomprehensible God. We may not know all the answers to all the things that we see and all the things that, that we experience here on this earth. But we know the one who does. And uh, we know that he loves us and cares about us and has provided us for us a way to be saved from some of the unexplainable evils that we see, that we often see in our world. And then, of course, beyond this world, we know that he has promised those who believe a life with him eternally in heaven. Even though we believe that, and as believers, we are looking forward to that, we can't fully understand or comprehend 
what that's going to look like here on earth. Of course, the popular Mercy Me song says, I can only imagine what's going to happen or what that will totally look like. But I love what Job says in chapter 42. We didn't read it this morning, but if you look at the end of the book, uh, after all of this back and forth goes on between him and the Lord, he says, Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. And you know, in this, this technological age that we are living in these days, we need to remember that we as humans are not capable of all things, even though we sometimes like to think that, that we are. And his creation should continuously remind us of the truth that God is sovereign, that God is in control, and that God can do all of these things that are beyond our comprehension. And of course, his creation, as we're talking about this morning, is one reminder of that, that we should see all of the time happening around us. We think about the four seasons that we go through in the course uh, of a year. Uh, That's a reminder of that. Of course, the impressive uh, mountains and valleys of our our world are a reminder. The animals, the weather patterns, and even, even our own human bodies are reminders that our God is for sure an awesome God. You know, we, we may be able to create robots that um, do some pretty cool things and, and have that artificial intelligence built into them. But we will never be able to create something as complex as the human body and the human mind. That little robot thing that you might have that cruises around your house and sweeps up all of your dirt. Um, it maybe can do that, but it's not going to take care of those dishes that are on your, your kitchen counter, right? On sabbatical this summer, uh, as Ron and I traveled around the United States from uh, Alaska to Virginia to Tennessee to Colorado, we were overwhelmed by some of the views uh, and beauty of God's creation that we were able to take in. Some of those pictures are going to be scrolling on the screen here for a little bit as I talk. But views like these made us think of words like those we hear from Psalm 104, where the psalmist says, Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. In verse 13, the psalmist there says, he waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The land is satisfied by the fruit of his work. And then, of course, we have the account in Genesis 1 where it says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. I'm afraid that sometimes we go about our life and we take for granted some of the blessings that God has given us in this world. You know, sometimes I think when we see a a nice, awesome sunset or, or maybe a sunrise, we might praise God for that moment. I mean, I know some of you have posted beautiful pictures like that on Facebook and other other places that I've seen. When we visit places like these on the screen, um, we might praise God uh, and be reminded of the blessings. But as I was thinking about that, each day that we awake and are given breath for another day, 
should be a reminder of how awesome our God is and how blessed we are to be called his children, to be created, to be here, to take care of these things and to enjoy them and be blessed by them. I've shared before, of course, that I love uh, the mountains and, uh, and some of the views that I saw this summer in Virginia, Tennessee, and Colorado were just amazing to take in. Uh, you know, you don't have to go there to see God's creation. I was thinking we see it every fall here as, or every year as the crops are planted and they grow and they're harvest. And I mean, that's another awesome thing that's hard to explain uh, how that all happens. But if you ever get the chance... Um, and you are out in Colorado, and you get the chance to take the Durango to Silverton uh, steam engine train, which is in southwest western Colorado, I would highly recommend it. It was unbelievable. Uh, Pikes Peak uh, in Colorado was a close second, but, you know, on Pikes Peak, you're so high up that nothing else can live, or there's nothing up there but kind of rocks or whatever. Uh, there's not much air up there either to breathe. <laughs> it's pretty light. Um, but the views um, were just unbelievable. You saw one or two of those pictures, I think, was from on top of Pikes Peak. Did you know up on Pikes Peak, you can see five or six states. Uh, you're so high up when you're up there. Just amazing, really. And so in thinking about all of God's creation, I'm reminded of what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 42, he said, sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the ends of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you islands and all who live in them, let the wilderness and the, its towns raise their voices. Let them shout from the mountaintops. Let them give glory to the Lord and proclaim his praise. So if we go back to this back and forth conversation in the book of Job, we can kind of understand how that comes about. We can understand because most likely at different points in, in each of our lives, we have all had times where we are asking God questions. And, you know, it's, it's really a part of our human experience to do that. How did this happen? Or, or how... How, how does this work? Or why did this happen? Or why did, would, did such and such not work out for me? Another popular question, of course, is why is there so much suffering in the world? Or why did I have to go through this particular thing? When will this be over? I mean, Job, Job was wanting God to justify his lack of intervention in the trials that, that he had experienced. And of course, those, travel, those, those trials were many for Job. But God is our creator. You know, we are because of God. And so God does not have to explain himself, nor is he required to reveal his grand design to any of us as humans. We have to be okay with not comprehending everything. In Romans 8, 28, Paul didn't promise that all of our circumstances and, and all of our questions about life would be easy or explained. But he did promise us that God is in control and that God loves us and that 
he will be with us if we trust in him and we show our love for him. You know, I was thinking, even if, even if God would explain some of these things to us, I'm really not sure that our human minds could, could really come maybe comprehend the explanation even, you know. Someday when we spend eternity with the Lord in heaven, we will understand. And so as each day passes here on earth, we are one step closer to knowing those things. I read a poem this week, I think, that says it well. It says, it said, I'm not sure, uh, I'm not sure who wrote it, but this is what it said. What God is doing, you may not know now. Hereafter, he may tell you why. Questions that taunt you and trouble your mind will someday have heaven's reply. Sometimes we just need to trust God's promises and not demand explanations. In the end, after his back and forth with God, that's finally what Job realized. I know it's not always easy. <laughs> um, we are a people that want to know things. We are a people that need answers. And we are a people that have trust issues at times. That's just how it is. But we are also a people created by a sovereign God. God is sovereign over all things. He has authority and power and wisdom to do as God pleases or as God will. Every event and situation is under God's sovereign rule. And so we must, as his people, trust him. And in, in humility, we need to submit ourselves to his leading Knowing what Paul says, that all things will work to get together for the good of those who love him. Like Job, God comes to us as well in the midst of a whirlwind or a storm in our lives. Right now in your life, maybe everything is going great. You know, you're enjoying the beautiful sunsets and the wonders of God's creation, the blessings of God. And it just appears maybe that God is smiling on your life. And then, of course, the next day that can change. The unexpected happens. It may have been the result of a, a devastating diagnosis that leads to the deterioration of your health. The loss of a job. The yielding to temptation that compromises your relationships. It may be the breaking of a relationship by divorce or death, and you find yourself alone. It strikes with a for the force of a whirlwind, and it sometimes it just knocks the breath out of us, and it causes us confusion and sometimes fear. So what is one to do? We often, of course, do what Job did. If you read the whole book of Job, he started to listen to his friends who were giving pious reasons for all of his misfortune. And so 
you know, sometimes in hearing those voices, we, we discover that those answers are not comforting us, but instead they're bringing us more pain and even more confusion as we listen to them. So if you, if you read the whole book of Job, you see the, um, the comments that his friends made about his situation. Now I say that, but I also want to say that sometimes our Christian friends can also give us good advice. And they can give us encouragement when we are going through one of those storms. But we also need to realize that sometimes those comments can be like the comments of Job's friends here. And that's when I think we need to relate our story to the bigger story of, of God's love for us in Jesus Christ. We need to know that, that God is a God who comes to us in the midst of the whirlwind, in the midst of a storm, in the midst of the pain and lostness that we may feel in this life. And then we, we realize that the bigger picture is that God comes to us and meets us right where we are in those moments. And he restores us to where we need to be. I mean, that really, if you think about it, that is the message of Scripture. That's the message of the Bible. It's the message of the whole incarnation. God comes to us in Christ right where we are. God doesn't, does not ask us to clean ourselves up and come to God. We usually can't do that anyway, you know, in that order. No, God in Christ comes to us where we are in what we are experiencing and what we are going through at our level and looks us squarely in the eye asking, where does it hurt? How can I help? How can I move you past this moment in your, in your life? We believe in an awesome God, of course, the creator, the sustainer, the sovereign power over all things. But our, our God is also a God who loves us and cares deeply about each person that he has created. We may not be able, of course, to comprehend everything in this world from his creation even to the gates of heaven. But the one thing, the only thing we do need to comprehend is his promise to be there for us, to save us to redeem us, and to restore us. The Lord answered Job out of the storm, out of the whirlwind, and God will do the same for you. So my prayer this morning is that we would emulate where Job comes to at the end of this chapter and, and decide to just trust our awesome God no matter what may come. And in the meantime... You know, we can look around us in our daily lives and we, we can be amazed at the many blessings that God has given to us in this world with creation and our human body. Just everything that there is around us for us to be reminded of that, that God is sovereign and powerful and yet loves us and cares for us immensely. Amen. Let's, uh, let's stand together and it, it seems like we need to sing the chorus, Awesome God, to end this morning before we pray and so... Ron and Aideen will come and lead us in that before we pray. <clears throat> Let's pray. 
Lord, we thank you for the beauty of your creation. We thank you for creating us, your people. We thank you that you are with us in the trials and the tribulations that we go through in this life. We're not promised to be free of them, but we are promised to have your help as we go through them and to have your help as we come through them and are restored in your grace and forgiveness and uh, this the truth that you save us from this world. Lord, I thank you for each one here this morning and each one watching. We pray, I pray that you would just bless each one and that they would look to you and, and trust in you and your sovereign power as we are faced with the many things in life that we are faced with. I pray that for anyone here this morning who's asking God those questions that Job was. May you rest in the truth that he loves you and cares for you and he will see you through. Lord, we pray a blessing over our meal today that we are sharing together. Thank you for all the food that has been brought. And we pray a blessing on it and a blessing on our time of fellowship. And we pray that you would go with us and that we would trust in your sovereign power and leading in the days ahead. And all God's people said, amen. God bless. Come up and see Jed if you want to see what a little frog looks like.